0: yeah don't it sound so epic horns are screaming i ain't the one you want to mess with use a joke i ain't the one you want to jest with the battle's
1: coming you only got a few seconds to run all
0: right welcome to the podcast i am matt minnick here for Bengals chalk talk we're to do things a little bit differently this week because it is a different week uh it is the bye week there's no opponent to look forward to uh we would look back at Last week's game. Uh, but big news uh, with the benching of longtime starting quarterback Andy Dalton, uh, we have got to talk quarterbacks. Uh, so we're going to spend the whole time today talking about quarterbacks in this draft and the guys that I believe uh, are worthy of consideration for the potential number one overall pick. Uh, once again I am Matt minick this is bengal's chalk talk here on orange and black insider thank you for being with me today uh you know it's a it's a sad day but it's an exciting day uh, obviously uh, Dalton's been the quarterback for a long time and yeah he's a great guy uh, and and the team has had some success with him uh, but I think it's pretty clear that a lot of things need to change in Cincinnati uh, and not every problem the Bengals have had, are having, uh, comes down to AD. Uh, but it's time to move on. Uh, so exciting uh, to get a look at Ryan Finley. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Today, we are going to focus on the NFL draft. Uh, and the three quarterbacks in particular that that I think should be under consideration for that top pick. So we will start in Alabama with Tua Taglivoa. Uh, Obviously, tank for Tua has been the slogan. Uh, So Tua is a guy that people have considered for that overall spot for quite a while now. So let's take a look at what he brings to the table and why. Uh, So the first play I'm going to talk about came against Ole Miss. Uh, It was a first and 15 play. Uh, they had a penalty that were backed up on the uh, 33 yard line going in. Uh, they had two receivers um, and a tight end to the left, and uh, one receiver split out to the right. They've got uh, then the shotgun with uh, one running back to the right, and they actually motion that second receiver, or one of the receivers, excuse me, from the left hand side, uh, send him on a high motion. Uh, into the backfield so uh on this play we're going to get a play action pass so to uh execute the play action and then he looks downfield all right uh executes the play action. actually kind of peeks over to the swing first then looks downfield throws a great ball to the post all right excellent ball to the post for the touchdown he's poised he's in the pocket you know uh, You know, everything about his technique looks fine. You know, not really any kind of pressure until, until late here. Somebody starts to peek through, but that's not affecting him at all. Uh, You know, excellent throw from a clean pocket for Tua. All right, so the next play we'll look at came against Tennessee. Uh, it was first and 10. They were on their own 39-yard line. Uh, And this was an unbalanced formation uh, with two receivers and an ineligible tight end to the right. Uh, And there was actually a uh, wing back uh, over to the left. So he actually kind of motions over there from the unbalanced side and they're in the pistol. So Tua takes his uh, back, you know, turns his back to the defense on the play action pass and uh, then flips his hips back around. So you know, now his eyes are completely off the defense. That's one thing about the play action pass. Eyes are off the defense. He's got to find things fast. He comes back and throws this ball way downfield. Uh, I mean, this is uh you know, they're they're on the 39. That's completed around the 16-17. So we're talking about like 45 yards downfield. Uh, and now it, it it definitely it definitely kind of dies, it definitely kinda of hangs up there a little bit. Uh, so that's probably about the end of his range, uh, but a good ball downfield. You know, a, again, he has a clean pocket. Um, you know, he's he's not rushed or anything. Uh, executes with, with good technique, uh, but you see that he can he can think quick, that he's getting his eyes around quickly uh, and throwing that ball downfield. All right, so the next play we will look at uh, came against South Carolina. It was 2nd and 10. They were on the 24-yard line going in. uh, And they had an H-back and two receivers to the left, one receiver to the right, and the running back in shotgun uh, to the left uh, to that heavy heavy side. So um, this is another uh, play-action pass. Uh, This one ends up being uh, kind of a half rollout. You know, like he starts to boot it around. Uh, and then he looks back. So play action to the running back. Start to boot around. Then he sets up and looks back to the running back in the other side. After the play action pass, the running back has run a wheel. Uh, so two is now coming across his body. All right, that's a difficult throw. He completes that thing right around the six yard line. Uh, so very good throw. You know, um, coming back like I said, pretty pretty difficult. Um, you know, he's not really completely set up. Which is uh, you know makes it more of a upper body arm throw a little bit, uh, but just because of the the nature of the play, he's not able to really get set up. Uh, you know, it he didn't exactly hit him in stride, uh, but it, but it's pretty good. And There's a guy coming over the top there, so you definitely wouldn't want to see him hanging it up too much. Uh, so overall, you know, uh, good ball, good placement, and uh, you know gets that thing down there to the receiver uh, and into the end zone. All right. Also in that old Miss game. Uh, they had, uh, a first and 10 on the 27 yard line going in, uh, they're in a shotgun formation with a bunch to the right, the back to the left and a single receiver split out to the left. And two is going to look to the single receiver side. Uh, they're on the sideline that receiver is going to run a vertical route and, uh, you know, they've got him in pretty good position. Uh, the corner's in real good position, kind of hugging uh, along the sideline. Uh, and Tua throws a great ball uh, in a real tight window there. So, you know, good ball, tight window throw. You know, he threw it he threw it up high where the receiver could go up and make a play on it. Uh, and, you know, the receiver is able to get it uh, in there and get the touchdown. So, uh, once again, really good placement, tough throw, Tight window there on the sideline, and, and you know that's a tight window to throw, not just because of the coverage, but because of where the receivers at on the field. That there is that that uh, you know to use a cliche, extra defender there. So really perfect placement. He can't put that ball anywhere else uh, if he's hoping to get a completion and a touchdown on it. All right. So against Southern Miss uh, again, they were going in, uh, found themselves on the 17 yard line. And they came out in an unbalanced trips look. So it's trips, and they've got a tight end over. uh, So a three-man surface on that side with uh, the running back in a pistol look, Uh, and the number three receiver ran a wheel route. So they've got a you know like a like a stop route, a now route, and two is gonna kind of bubble. Excuse me. That. the stopper at the bubble, whatever you want to call it. Uh, He's going to kind of pump with that. And then he goes to that number three on the wheel. And really a good job here of just using the space he has. So now hanging up there, there's nobody else outside, you know, let the guy run to it, catch it in stride and get in there for the touchdown. So uh, again, excellent play by Tua. Now he's going to show a little bit of touch, uh, pop it over, not like, a high arcing, you know, crazy kind of running under, but uh, you know, puts it where where he's leading the receiver. It's a real easy uh, pitch and catch for them. Uh, excellent throw by Tua for the top. All right, so Tua runs quite a bit of RPOs uh, in the offense that he's in, uh, and this is one example against Southern Miss again. Uh, so he's got an H back and a receiver to his left, and stacked receivers. To his right, with the running back, uh, he's in the shotgun with the running back, uh, also to his right. So we get the RPO action. Uh, you know, he makes a good read. They're all biting up on it, uh, and then he makes a great tight window throw uh, between two defenders for the touchdown. So you know, good, uh, you know, good read initially. Uh, good job getting the the ball, lacing it in there uh, between two defenders. Uh, now, definitely comes in a little bit lower than you want to see. Uh, so, you know, good placement, uh, between the defenders, not great placement because it is low. Uh, fortunately, you know, with where it's at on the field, it doesn't really matter much. He falls into the end zone. Uh, but, uh, you know, if that's in the middle of the field, you're taking away his ability to rack it up, uh, to run after the catch with that ball. Uh, if it's, if it's coming in low like that, so good, not great placement there, uh, after, you know, what was definitely a good read. All right, Uh, so then again, South Carolina, uh, they had first and 10 on the 11-yard line going in, uh, you know, in the red zone here. They've got a tight end and two receivers to the left, one receiver to the right and the back uh, to the left-hand side uh, with a quarterback in shotgun. And they take the number one receiver, and they actually motion him. They do that that, uh, high fly motion uh, into the backfield. Uh, but what they're going to run here is a, is a star concept. Uh, and if you're not familiar, so a star concept is, it's a common look out of bunch looks, uh, and basically one guy's going in, one guy's going out, one guy's going up and and it's some variation of, of a hitch or, or an out or something along those lines. Uh, but you know, they're they're trying to kind of use the, uh, the horizontal space there, uh, coming out of the bunch. So this isn't truly a bunch. But you've still got three receivers pretty tight, even after that receiver gets out of there. Uh, and that's the back, the tight end, and that remaining receiver. Uh, so they're still pretty tight. So the bunch of uh, pass concepts can work from a look like this. So the back goes out, uh, and he's pretty tightly covered. The tight end goes in, uh, and he's pretty tightly covered. So that leaves the receiver, who is who is running the hitch route. So uh, – the there's a defender right there. Uh, Tua recognizes that and he sees the receiver's leverage. Okay. So the defender's to the outside. The receiver has an advantage to the inside. Tua throws the ball, putting it away from the defender. He puts it to the inside. Uh, so, number one, this protects the ball, protects the interception, uh, but also it allows that receiver to turn up field uh, to rack it up for a touchdown. Uh, so, ball is thrown. Ball is completed in about the 4-yard line, and because of where that ball is placed, he's able to run it in for a touchdown. All right, so we saw an RPO earlier, and that's what we're going to see here against Ole Miss. Uh, On the 26-yard line, it was 2nd and 10. Uh, They've got a tight end to the right, two receivers, and an H-back to the left, and the back is in the pistol. So we get the play action. All right. We get the play action. We get the run action. Uh, and then he throws a great ball. Again, good read. The linebacker steps up, opening it up. All right. Good placement away from that remaining defender to the inside. Uh, defender misses the tackle, and this turns into a big play. Again, we put it uh, you put the ball in position to let him rack it, uh, and then it ends up turning into a big play because of a missed tackle by the defense. All right. So also in that Southern Miss game, uh, they came in uh, uh, to third and three on the 34-yard line. They had trips to the left and one receiver to the right, uh, with the back in the shotgun to to his right. Uh, so here, uh, like they got a good, they've got a good offensive line. 2 doesn't face a lot of pressure? Here he starts to get a little pressure, and he gets out of the pocket. Now, um, how much pressure did he really get? I mean, that's, that's kind of debatable, you know, could he have stood in there? You know, that's definitely something to consider uh, with him, but he gets out, keeps his eyes downfield and he's able to deliver a great pass, you know, really throws a bullet there, uh, you know, to pick up that first down on third and three. So very good play there by Tua uh, getting it downfield. So, uh, overall, uh, you know, uh, Tua is, uh, is an excellent player. Uh, maybe, maybe the safest, uh, of the top quarterbacks, uh, definitely has a lot of positive things going on for him. Um, he is not super dynamic. Um, you know, he's not, he's not Patrick Mahomes, uh, but he can create, you know, does have the ability, uh, to get us of the pocket, move around a little bit. Um, you know, to do things on the run as you see right there. So, uh, he's got good arm strength. Uh, you definitely see some deeper balls, uh, will, will, uh, loft a little bit. Uh, but, you know, overall, uh, good arm strength, definitely good enough arm strength. Uh, he has excellent accuracy. Uh, and, you know, generally his, his placement is right on as well. Uh, can make a lot of tight window throws. You know, I, that's one of the criticisms of him is all the talent around him. And for as good as these receivers are, he's definitely you know still making some tight window throws. So, um, you know, he's got that going for him. Uh, there's less of that to evaluate than there might be with other players. Uh, but, you know, you can still look at it and see that he's, he's doing it. Um, he runs a lot of RPOs, uh, makes good reads on those, uh, which obviously it's a big part of, uh, of, of modern football. So, Good to know that he's he's got that in him. Uh, you see, um, uh, when he uh, when he throws interceptions, uh, he has uh, two interceptions on the year. Uh, one of them uh, came on a scramble where he you know definitely made a bad decision on that on that scramble, uh, so a little a little bit of a concern there. The other was in cover two where the backside safety. Uh, you know, really bit hard uh, and made a play on it. Uh, One thing that's of concern to me about that is that both of those plays, and this is the scramble here, uh, both of those plays came in the red zone. Uh, So both times, those are picks that are taking points off the board. Uh, So maybe just, you know, I don't know, maybe he's too aggressive uh, at that point of the field or something, Uh, but, you know, that's just something that, you know, to be aware of that he needs to be smart about that stuff. Uh, and, of course, he's coming off of an ankle injury, too. Um, now, I'm not a doctor. I never profess to be a doctor. The, the things that I have seen about the type of surgery he got um, and, and the results of it uh, look very promising. Uh, but, you know, I'm in no way uh, qualified to make those type of decisions. Uh, so uh, definitely – with the Bengals' history with drafting injured players, uh, drafting a player who had a, an injury from Alabama recently, uh, I could see why people would be afraid of that. Uh, but I don't know uh, if that's rational or not. Uh, you know, so, but it's something certainly to, uh, to look at and to consider. Um, but hopefully uh, he comes back and we get some answers and, and see some really good performances out of him uh, throughout the rest of the season. All right, so the other big name before the season started uh, was Justin Herbert, uh, and he is a guy who they throw the word arm talent around, and, man, do I hate that word, uh, and, and I, de- I tend to not like uh, the prospect when those words are used. Um, but, you know, definitely a guy that has a lot of tools, uh, you, know, uh, excellent, you know, excellent build for the position, Really high-end potential guy, um, not as catchy of a phrase as Tank for Tua, but you know somebody that's that's up there for a lot of people on charts and, and certainly has a lot of potential. Um, and I liked him a little bit more than I thought I might as I as I dove into his film uh, over the course of the season. So we'll look at a, a couple of specific plays. Uh, first came against Cal. They had second and two uh, on the 19 yard line going in. uh, And uh, sorry, second and six uh, on the uh, 19 yard line going in. Uh, They were in a wide bunch to the left. So the receivers were bunched up, but uh, not tied to the line of scrimmage uh, with a tight end to the right. And the back was also on the left uh, with their quarterback in the shotgun. We're going to see a lot of quarterback in the shotgun as we go through uh, all these quarterbacks. But um, now, this is a bubble. Uh, which people don't, you know, what's so great about a bubble, uh, right? It's a pass. You know, it's a short pass. It's behind the line of scrimmage. What's so great about it? Well, this is a bubble to the field, which means a lot more in the NCAA where the, the hash marks are wider. Uh, and, you know, it does definitely show off his arm strength. Uh, so, you know, that's a pretty long throw. You know, he's, he's uh, throwing it on a rope, you know, zipping it in there. Uh, good accuracy on it. Uh, also interesting here, he pump fakes um, to that bubble. And I don't know what the situation is if he is afraid uh, of this unblocked edge rusher that's coming in, uh, jumping up and knocking it down. Because when he when he uh, pump fakes, that guy takes off and backs away. And then that opens up the, the passing lane for him. So uh, that's just conjecture on my part that that might have been what he's doing. Uh, but if so, pretty... Pretty smart little play. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton's had a lot of passes knocked down. So it's nice to see you guys uh, that are thinking about that sort of thing. All right. So the next play we'll talk about uh, also came against Cal uh, and it was a third and eight on the 27 yard line going in. Uh, they had two receivers and an H back to the left, a single receiver to the right uh, and the back to the right in the shotgun. Uh, so, Herbert shows great touch on this. Uh, so the receiver to the right uh, runs a fade into the end zone and he does an excellent job of giving himself room. He takes the inside release and then gets back to the outside and Herbert, you know, really floats a ball underneath him. You know, great touch on this ball, uh, throws it basically right at the pylon. So because the receivers run a good route, he's given himself lots of space uh, and He is not, you know, then passed and outside uh, of the defensive back. So he's the only one that can really make a play on this ball. So, excellent ball, excellent placement and touch by Herbert, uh, putting that thing on the pylon. The ball is dropped by the receiver, uh, which is a problem that Oregon has. Uh, And, uh, but, you know, good ball. Now, looking specifically at Herbert. Uh, and what he's doing, this pass is all, all upper body. Um, he's got some pressure coming at him. And he kind of leans back and away from the throw. Uh, so, I mean, he's not, he's not even close to stepping into this thing. He's, he's leaning back. He's, he's, you know, fearing the rush a little bit there. Uh, so, you know, very much uh, showing off the arm talent uh but it is a little bit concerning you know that he's not standing in there and and delivering uh, in the face of pressure and, and using good technique. All right, so against Colorado, uh, they had a second and one. Now at this point there was less than a minute left in the half. so it's not a it's not a normal second and one. they are a bit more uh, you know a bit more rushed and and definitely looking to throw the ball. it's not just taking a shot to take a shot uh, but he throws a seam route. Uh, They've got uh, trips receivers to the right, uh, single receiver to the left, and a back in the backfield next to him, the shotgun uh, on his left. So he's got a clean pocket uh, and really, you know, in a nice little tempo, he he steps back, delivers a a nice pass uh, to that number two receiver on the seam uh, and really hits him right in stride. It's a 37 yard pass. Uh, you know, moving the chains, getting them a little bit uh, closer down there. Uh, and, you know, definitely a, a good ball on his part, throwing it in front of that receiver. All right. So earlier in that same drive, they ran the exact same play, uh, but it was flipped. Uh, so they had a single receiver to the right. Uh, they were on the, the right hash. So, you know, they, they ran the, the trips uh, to the left, to the field. Uh, and the back was offset to the right to that single receiver side. Uh, And it's the exact same play, and he's going to the exact same guy. Uh, And what's concerning is here he's not open. Uh, So, you know, this seems like it's him really locking in on a player and where he initially thinks he's going to go, wants to go with the football, uh, and then trying to force it in there. But this receiver is bracketed. Uh, He's got a receiver underneath him, or excuse me, he's got a defender underneath him and one, uh, you know, over the top to the inside. Uh, And then, you know, the ball comes underneath him too. So the ball comes a little bit behind him. Uh, You know, the defensive back is being disciplined and keeping his eyes uh, to the receiver because he does have a step on him. Uh, But if he turns around, he can make a play on this ball. And and he does uh, hit the ball. It goes up. The other... Defensive back, you know, kind of reacts, but isn't able to get to it. Uh, but really, Herbert's lucky that thing wasn't picked off. Uh, that was a dangerous pass, not a, not a good situation uh, at all there. So it uh, really looks like he was zeroed in on one player on that play. He was staring it down. That's why that extra, you know, that other defender was coming in and really had that thing bracketed by the time it got there. And then the ball was, was behind him, you know, despite the fact that, Herbert had a you know a decent footwork and and a you know clean pocket there. Uh, not not a good look on that play for Herbert. All right. So in the second half of that uh, that Colorado game, uh, they had driven down the field, found themselves uh, in a, a third and nine situation uh, on the 13 yard line. Uh, and they, they motion out and they get into a trips look to the right with a single receiver to the left and back, uh, you know, the, the, the shotgun with the back to the left. So uh, it, is, uh, it is a good read here. Uh, Herbert sees the safety who extends wide uh, over really the number two receiver. Uh, and the, uh, you know, the buffs uh, are showing blitz and have a lot of guys lined up on the line of scrimmage and uh, you know some of them pop out like teams like to do but really there's nobody over that number three receiver except that safety who's lined up way back in the goal line and as soon as he starts getting wide um great read by Herbert he's open uh and you know whoever is on the line of scrimmage showing blitz is gonna have to hustle to get back there uh but they don't have time so Herbert sees that boom sets up zips it in there uh, before the defender can get in and make a play so excellent job there uh, and also he is dealing with uh, with the pressure here because uh, you know they they are uh, they do have an unblocked defender coming they do bring uh, an extra guy off the edge and Herbert stands in there his technique is unaffected uh, and he delivers it knowing that you know he's going to have that Uh, that free defender coming, he's going to take a hit there. So uh, definitely a really good rep for Herbert there. You know, a couple of big things there. That's a third down and that's in the red zone, which are two areas where the Bengals have really struggled. And obviously two key situations that you need to win to win football games. So huge uh, for Herbert to be able to step up, make a play in in a, you know, make a good read and, you know, take the hit and make a play in a situation like that. So, earlier in that same game, uh, back in the first quarter, they were in first and 10 on the 33-yard line going in. They came out uh, with uh, trips to the right uh, and a single receiver uh, split out to the left with the back, actually, to the right uh, as well with the with the trips receivers. So, uh, you know, they come out and there's a pump fake uh, to the stop route, and then he throws it. To the receiver across the middle on that uh, that kind of bender, not uh, quite a slant. We'll call it. A, we'll call it a bender, uh, where he's he's working inside and into the middle of the field. Uh, now, very good placement here. So this is between two defenders. Now the receiver has to slow down a little bit and he kind of comes back to it. But I actually like that because. If he puts it really in front of him, he's leading that receiver right into the safety. And that safety is going to be free to, you know, really tee off on him and deliver a hit and try and disconnect him from the football. Um, And, you know, throwing it a little bit shallow of that, the receiver is still able to make the catch. uh, And it slows him down enough that it throws off the angle of that safety and allows – the receiver to rack the ball, so it's not even that safety that makes the play on this play. Uh, it, it's another defender who comes in and makes the tackle. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, good placement allows this receiver to be able to rack that ball uh, and move it up and to gain additional yardage. All right, so in that same game uh, against Colorado, uh, also in the first quarter, uh, they had a, a tight end and a receiver to the left. Two receivers split out to the right. Uh, Back is offset to the left. Uh, And they do a quick slant to number two on the right, to that number two receiver. Um, Now, this is a real quick pass. You know, he gets it off fast. He's getting a little bit of pressure. um, And he doesn't really step into it, right? It's all upper body, and it's off target. Uh, So, comes in low. The receiver is able to make the catch not able to it at all, not able to turn it into additional yardage. Uh, so, you know, definitely, uh, you know, got to think about that. You put that ball in front of him a little bit, give him the opportunity to, to be able to run with it a little bit, and, you know, just have it, have it up high uh, where he can make a play and stay on his feet and keep on running. So against Auburn, Herbert showed that he has some ability to create uh, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good athlete. He can move around a little bit. Uh, and you know, he can, he's a big guy too. He's, he's hard to tackle. He's hard to bring down. Uh, but they were in second and seven on the 20 yard line going in, uh, you know, so in the red zone and they got pressure. Uh, so right away, you know, he, he pump fakes and he's getting pressure from the right hand side, tries to scramble out to the left away from the quads, uh, and, then the uh, you know, th- there's a good contain rusher on that side. So he, he realizes he's not going to be able to go anywhere with it. He turns and sets up and delivers a ball all the way across the field uh, for, for a touchdown. Uh, great ball, you know, d- not able to, uh, to step into it cause he is, he is getting hit here. Uh, you know, not quite leaning back like he was on the previous uh, play. We talked about a little while ago, but um but not stepping into it either. So all arm across the formation, across his body, uh, you know, ball, ball's released in the 32-yard line, and he throws it uh, across the field and, you know, halfway into the end zone. Uh, so definitely showing off that, that he can make some plays when things break down, and then he has a big-time arm as well. But, uh, that's not always the way things go for him. Uh, you know, when he tries to create, uh, you know, things can get a little rough as well. And against Stanford, uh, he was getting pressure from the middle, uh, shook off the tackle cause he's a big, strong dude, uh, scrambled out to the right. And then he delivered a ball down the field that was incomplete, but really he was lucky it wasn't picked. Uh, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't an advisable throw, uh, the, the receiver really became the defender in that situation. It was really more headed towards the defender. Uh, so could have been an interception. Lucky it wasn't an interception uh, on that play. Uh, overall, uh, Herbert has got a lot of potential uh, and I like him more than I like a lot of guys who have been labeled with, you know, given that arm talent label uh, you know, he, he can do some things pretty well. Um, huge arm, uh, very inconsistent with his accuracy, though. Uh, the feet can get a little funky. He can throw kind of off platform, which he doesn't do very well, uh, you know, and, and that can get him into some uh, some sticky situations as far as that's concerned. Um, he has dealt with some poor receiver play uh, and, you know, not always the best protection. Uh, you know, sometimes could be a little bit chaotic. Um, you know, watching their offense just look like chaos uh, against Auburn uh, despite, you know, the the way that they played in that game, the points they were able to score, uh, you know, things looked a little bit helter skelter, uh, at times, um, you know, concerning that, that it seems like year in and year out, he hasn't necessarily improved, uh, in, in the areas where you'd like to see him. Uh, and, and I've watched, uh, really only casually watched his, his film prior to his senior year and, and only, uh, really dug into the senior film. Uh, but, you know, you do notice the same issues uh, coming up again and again. So I think he's an interesting prospect. Um, I think at this point uh, that top five pick uh, is likely. I could see him in contention uh, for the for the top pick. Um, but definitely a lot of question marks, a lot of things you, w- you want to work out, um, and some things that you're going to want to be uh, more comfortable with before you, uh, you're drafting uh, Justin Herbert and making him the future of your franchise. But big arm, big dude, you know, uh, has some athletic ability. Uh, can definitely, uh, you know, definitely has the potential to be uh, a really a star in this league. All right, so those were the two big names coming into the year, uh, the guys who are considered potential first round. Uh, well, first overall quarterbacks, uh, and in the tanking conversation, uh, even though obviously people love alliteration, uh, Herbert was a guy who was kind of talked about in the, in the same ilk. Uh, and suddenly a new contender has emerged, uh, and it is Ohio native Joe Burrow, uh, Ohio State transfer, uh, second year at LSU now. He's got a new offensive coordinator, and all of a sudden – uh, he is going off and has, you know, quickly uh, moved up boards and, and become a legitimate prospect uh, candidate, uh, candidate for that uh, number one overall selection. So um, let's take a look at him. And first thing we'll look at is against Texas. Uh, there's a third and goal on the six yard line against Texas. Uh, they came out with trips to the left. And one receiver to the right, although that receiver was lined up tight. Uh, so, this is an excellent tight window pass uh, for Burrow. Uh, number three receiver splits the safeties uh, and he zips it in there right in between them. Uh, so, it's a clean pocket. He's got he's got the time he needs. Uh, you know, delivers a great pass in between those two receivers. I mean, they got, there's two linebackers right there underneath, too. Uh, there's all kinds of people around. Uh, so, zips that thing in there, uh, you know, and delivers an excellent pass for the touchdown. All right. So also in that game, uh, they're, they're, you know, in the middle of the field, uh, on the 42 yard line, um, and you know, middle of the field, uh, you know, I mean, not, not in the red zone. Uh, they're actually on the right hash, uh, same formation, uh, with trips to the left and that receiver lined up tight to the right. Um, And it's going to be a a first and 10 play and a deep out by that that singular receiver. Uh, So on this play, uh, you know, he's the receivers, you know, covered. Uh, They've got a there's a man right there running with him, uh, but he's to his inside. And Burrow does a great job, excellent placement right on the sideline where the receiver and only the receiver can make the catch. So no risk of it getting picked there, uh, but not too far out, you know, right there in that sweet spot on the sideline where the receiver can make that catch. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a pitch and catch, uh, you know, good situation in the pocket. And Burrow is able to deliver and get that first down. All right. So this is kind of a similar situation. Um you know, where it's about placement and understanding the field using the sideline. Uh, and it came against Vanderbilt. They had second and eight on the 16-yard line going in. So a goal line play here, two wide receivers and an H-back uh, to the left, along with the running back offset to the left and the shotgun, and one receiver to the right. Again, Burrow is going to go to that single receiver side, take advantage uh, of that matchup. Now, he shows great touch uh, on on this ball. Uh, So they're going to throw a fade ball up to that number one receiver. He looks it off to the other side first. And then again, delivers just a great pass. Um, Really gives that receiver the ability to run underneath it, you know, puts it in in front of him uh, to the sideline, puts it away from the defender. Uh, The defender can't get at the ball there. uh, But, lofts it up there and lets the receiver underneath under uh, excuse me run underneath it so an excellent job there by burrow on that pass all right so another example of uh you know great touch on a uh, on a vertical route uh came against texas it was a third and five situation uh so a third down situation uh in a tight game uh the third quarter of a tight game too uh and they had Trips to the left and one wide receiver to the right with the, uh, the back to the right uh, offset uh, and Burrow in the shotgun. So uh, excellent touch on the fade. Now, this time, it's it's not about letting the receiver run under it. Uh, it's about that the bracket. Uh, the, they've got uh, the receiver got past the corner, uh, but the safety is overlapping. So Burrow doesn't want to put this too far in front and get it into, you know, potentially interception uh, territory there. So he puts it right in that side pocket, you know, right underneath the safety, uh, but over the top of the corner, finding that tight little window there. Um, So excellent job there. Now, uh, you know, footwork-wise, he doesn't step into this pass. Um, So he doesn't step into this one. Uh, He is getting pressure from the front side and ends up getting hit from his blind side. Uh, you know, stands in there and and, and delivers on it, uh, but, you know, not not great footwork, not stepping into the throw on that. Now, he can hit a vertical uh, in stride as well, and this is uh, uh, an empty look against Florida. Uh, They have trips to the left and uh, twins, twin receivers offset to the right. Uh, So, he hits the vertical uh, by the number one on the uh, on the twin side uh, to his right. Really hits it in stride. Uh, empty here, you know. The the pocket is holding up pretty well though, uh, and he's able to deliver that. Now the ball doesn't go that, you know, too too far. It's only really traveling. Uh, he's catching the ball about twenty two yards downfield, uh, but because Burrow puts it in front of him and and leads him, puts him in a good spot, he is able uh, to turn that into a a score for LSU all right so against Vanderbilt uh they were on the 25 yard line going in they had first and 10 uh and they they came out with uh with two receivers and an H back to the right single receivers spread out to the left and the back in the backfield offset to the single receiver side uh again going to work the single receiver side of the formation uh, and he throws, you know, an excellent back shoulder fade. Uh, you know, the, the receiver, uh, you know, adjusts, flips around, throwing it right at the pylon, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the idea here to, to to catch the defensive back in front of you and be able to do that. So uh, excellent throw for that back shoulder fade. My question is, is that really what he wanted to do? Um, you know, because we see sometimes his arm – his arm, you know, just kind of gives out on him a little bit. He doesn't ha- have quite as much juice as he wants. Uh, and in this situation, the the defensive back, I mean, the receiver's in front of him. The defensive back's running underneath. So does he really want to put that ball there or does he want it to go over the top, um, you know, would be the question. You know, what were you, what were you actually trying to do there? Um, you know, looks good for what it was, but what were you trying to do? Um, And he does step into this ball, you know, so it's, it's, it's good technique and everything. Uh, But you know, what's, what's he trying uh, to do with that play? And as we uh, look at another play from Texas uh, with uh, two receivers and an H back to the left, uh, one receiver split out to the right and the tailback offset to the left. Uh, They ran a play action pass. And, you know, once again, he's going to that single receiver side. Now, this is in the middle of the field, and that thing dies on him. Uh, you know, so this is an example, but we see a good amount of this. I've seen it on a, on a seam one, you know, before, too, uh, but especially on these on these verticals to the outside uh, where that ball can die on him sometimes. Uh, you know, he's got that, that defender beat. He is in front of him. Uh, but this ball, the receiver does that is, uh, but this ball is thrown behind. The receiver has to come back and make a leaping, you know, contested catch over the defensive back's shoulders. Excellent play by the receiver. Um, you know, the, the ball is around 35 yards downfield. And, you know, is that is that Burrow's range? You know, is is that what what Burrow's is going to be? Um, it, and it's it's a bit of a question mark. How strong is that arm? Uh, you know, that could be a potential limitation and thing to watch out for with Joe Burrow. All right. One thing, if you follow me and you listen to me talk about quarterbacks, I love quarterbacks that can create. Um, and, you know, that's a the, the, we see these quarterbacks that can really do some special things athletically nowadays. Uh, but that goes back to, to Bill Walsh. And that was something Bill Walsh would always talk about when he was looking at a quarterback, too. Um, and man, Burrow is is that dude. Uh, Burrow Burrow can definitely uh, get that sort of thing done. So uh, as we we look at Burrow, here's a play against Texas. Uh, Against Texas, it's 3rd and 17. Uh, 3rd and 17. So the odds are not in the offense's favor uh, in 3rd and 17. And Texas is bringing a six-man pressure. Uh, The pocket quickly folds in on Burrow, but he steps up right into the pocket finds a little bit of a space that, that he can work in uh, actually pops up like hops up in the air to throw this ball uh, and throws it like two first down depth. It's not like he's just throwing a little crosser or a check down or something. He throws it, uh, you know, past the 17 there, uh, past that 17 yard mark. Um, so excellent play creates hops up, you know, uses his arm able to get the ball to that receiver uh, and you know, really a clutch play and it ends up being a touchdown as that receiver turns it into one. So incredible play. Uh, he is clutch. He can create, uh, another example comes against Utah, uh, in Utah, they were in third and three down on the goal line. They had a bunch to the left, a single receiver to the right and a tailback offset to the right as well. And I talked about the star concept earlier and this, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, with that bunch, but Burrow gets pressured and he is forced out of the pocket and he has to roll away from the bunch, away from that star concept. So, you know, kudos to his receivers. They all adjust as well, start, you know, looking to get into his vision. And one of those receivers from that bunch side, uh, not his job, not his initial job, you know, executes his scramble rules, comes back across the formation. Burrow turns and throws across his body, opposite the way that he is scrambling, uh, the, the way he is rolling, uh, and throws a, a great touchdown on that play. Uh, and we've seen some, some similar plays out of Burrow in different, uh, in different games. Uh, so, you know, definitely not, not a one-time thing. Uh, again, just like before, it was a, it was a clutch situation. It was 3rd and 17. Uh, nobody expects you to win in 3rd and 17. He's getting blitzed. Uh, pockets collapse on him. He steps up and makes a big time play. This is third and three on the goal line. Uh, So you got to score, you know, you got to get that touchdown. You don't want to be going for a field goal. Uh, so, So the pressure's on there too. Again, third downs, goal lines, places where the Bengals have issues and could use a playmaker who can step up in those situations. And Joe Burrow is getting it done. He is that dude. Um, so that's what I really like about this guy is the way that he can create when things aren't going great. Cause as we all know, things do not always go so great in Cincinnati. Uh, now, uh, this is a play probably just about everybody's seen because uh, it made all the highlight reels. It was all over Bengals Twitter uh, when, when this happened against Mississippi State, but it is a great play and an awesome example, um, you know, of the type of playmaker that Joe Burrow is, what he can do when he's scrambling and how he how he continues to look downfield uh, when he's getting pressured. So trips to the right, a single receiver to the left, and they actually motion the back out to the right hand side. Uh, the pocket collapses. All right. The pocket caves in on Burrow. He steps up. So he's got an out. He's got a lane. And I'll tell you what, I mean, this is first and 10. He steps up into the pocket and he can run here. He's got room. He's got that first down if he wants to take it with his feet, but he keeps his eyes downfield and, uh, you know, it pays off big. He's got that uh, that number two receiver running the post, and he finds him for a touchdown. Huge play, big time play, and you know, and this is uh, exactly the type of thing you want to see out of your franchise quarterback, a guy that can step up and do those exciting things. So, you know, what is Burrow? You know, he's a guy who can create. He makes plays. He's exciting, dynamic. Uh, use any kind of adjective you want. Um, he keeps his eyes downfield when he's moving around in the pocket when he's getting pressure, tries to make those big-time plays. Uh, you know, he's a gritty, tough player, you know, can can take some hits, uh, you know, doesn't seem to, you know, be too concerned about uh, about his body and the, the, the hits he takes. Uh, great placement on underneath passes, uh, so can be a very efficient, move the ball down the field guy, could be a really good fit uh, for what – we believe the Bengals want to be offensively, uh, although we haven't really seen much of it. Um, now, his arm strength is is good, but it, you know, it could be his limiting factor because uh, it definitely seems like receivers are are forced to come back to the ball sometimes. Uh, so that is a bit of a concern and a bit of a limiting factor. Uh, but he can, you know, he's such an exciting player, and he can he can do some other things. The way he's making plays uh, that. Uh, you know, uh, does he have enough uh, to look past that? Uh, whereas I, I think of the three, I would say his arm strength uh, is, is probably, you know, the lowest uh, of the three. And, and obviously there's a lot of film to watch, a lot of things to go back at, but uh, kind of judging by what I've seen so far, um, you know, that's, that's what, uh, that's, that's where I see it with Herbert being the strongest uh, Tua being number two and uh, Burrow, um you know being third in that group. Uh, but overall, so these are the guys that I think should be considered for the potential number one overall pick, you know, wherever they end up picking uh to be determined. Um but you know looking at those guys so far um I think that uh that you, you can see uh you know, Burrow really stands out. You know, so he's my top guy because of what an exciting player he is. And the way that he can create, you know, those are the things that I love about him that really stand out. Uh, I think he has big time potential to be that guy, uh, to be that you know that leader on the field too, because of of the, his style of play, the way he plays, and the way he steps up. Uh, he can create the plays that this offense needs him to create. Uh, so that's definitely an exciting possibility uh, as we as we move forward and look at this draft class. Tua, I would rank second. I think Tua might be the safest pick of the group. I think he's going to be a good pro, Um, you know, and I I find it hard to believe that he's not going to be a good pro. Uh, I think there are some question marks with Burrow's arm strength um, and, you know, there's question marks with Herbert, uh, which we're going to do. But I think Tua is the safe pick. He does everything pretty well. You know, like everything is at a a good level. Uh, So I like the way uh, that Tua plays, and I think he's going to be a successful uh, quarterback, in the NFL. Um, And then Herbert would be the third. And I don't know if I take Herbert at the top of the draft. He he, just, his inconsistency uh, really scares me. He's definitely going to be a first round pick, probably a top 10 pick. I just don't know if he's in contention, if I would put him in contention for that, that top overall slot. So uh, those are my guys. That's my order. Um, You know, it's not unlikely that it'll change. Uh, I'm not going to Write it in stone and ignore uh, what happens over the next few months because uh, there's lots of uh, game tape to eat up uh, before we get into the draft. But uh, you know, Burrow, uh, you know, could really be uh, a guy for this franchise. I definitely see some great things out of Tua as well, and uh, and Herbert's got some positives, uh, but a long way to go, and probably the riskiest pick all right so real quick before we get into the interview with the draft networks joe marino talking quarterbacks in the 2020 nfl draft uh i just wanted to say this interview was recorded prior uh to the announcement that ryan finley would be starting so uh there there is a little bit of banter in there about you know whether or not the Bengals uh, were going to choose to move on if it was time for them to move on that is, to some extent, null and void at this point. Uh, so just something to consider while you're listening to it. Uh, at that time, uh, we did not know that uh, Dalton was no longer the starter in Cincinnati. Uh, but enjoy uh, some, some great, uh, you know, great talk with Joe uh, regarding this quarterback class. All right. So we are on the bye week. And uh, obviously, things not going well to start the year 0-8, Andy Dalton's even most staunch supporters uh, jumping ship on the quarterback, and I think just about everybody is in agreement that it is time for a change. Uh, Got the big change at the head coaching position last year, uh, but now time for the other change. So coming uh, here to join me today, I have got Joe Marino from the Draft Network. Joe, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot of Bengals and draft here as the months uh, unfold.
0: Yeah, I mean they looking like the focus right now. You know, right now sitting in that number one spot, and if they if they hold on to it, they will definitely be the the talk for uh, months to come. I think at the beginning of the season, uh, two big names uh, were, were Justin Herbert. Uh, And then, of course, the the Tank for Tua slogan uh, was was prominent league-wide, especially as you started to see some of the moves that Miami was making. Um, Now, a new contender has emerged. uh, And the reason I asked you to be here uh, is a tweet uh, that you had recently. Joe Burrow plus Zach Taylor would be a nice future in Cincy. Uh, and I gotta tell you, at zero and eight, we are all hoping for a nice future. Uh, it, it it seems a ways off, but uh, can you can you expand a little bit on on that take and uh, why you think Burrow could be the guy and, and be a good fit for Zach Taylor?
1: Well, I think the the first thing we have to do is identify that the team has to move on from Andy Dalton. And I've you know I don't I not a Bengals analyst per se, but I talk Bengals a lot, like I do every team. And I've been a Andy Dalton, I wouldn't say apologist, but I guess supporter, understanding who he is in the NFL, that he's a serviceable starting quarterback that I think has really achieved a lot as a starter in the NFL. And maybe he hasn't always had the right pieces around him, and maybe the coaching hasn't always been great. But I don't think there's any disappointment that should be had over reflecting on Andy Dalton's tenure with Cincinnati. But the reality is this is a player who is on the north side of 30, and his ceiling is it's over with. He's plateaued. You've achieved everything you can with Andy Dalton. It's happened. And the reality is he's owed 16 point or excuse me, 17.7 million dollars next season which can be cut with zero dead cap space. The time is now. It's here. You're enjoying the last few games of Andy Dalton's tenure in Cincinnati. So we have to talk about replacements and what's next and I was an advocate of Cincinnati drafting a quarterback in the twenty nineteen draft because I thought it was the right time to bring in your your next guy. Go ahead and get him with Zach Taylor from day one. Go ahead and get that marriage started and have a season of Andy Dalton to kind of bridge the gap there. And the reality is, I think that's going to be something we'll have to talk about with Cincinnati is who is going to be the bridge guy to go with whoever this quarterback will be in, you know, in next year as a rookie if they're not ready to start right away. And you certainly don't want to bring in a rookie quarterback without uh, a a mentor and and another peer with him to really help him grow as an NFL player. It's a big deal. It's a big part of of quarterback um, development. And so you start thinking about the options and who's going to work well with Zach Taylor's system and those types of things. And the more I watch Joe Burrow play, the more I believe he's the guy that is the right fit for Cincinnati, even if they had the number one pick, even over to a Tagovailoa, who I, I like a lot. But I think fit-wise, Joe Burrow really, really meshes well with Zach Taylor. You think about, you know, if you, if you believe that Zach Taylor's goal is to run a lot of the stuff we see from Sean McVay and the Rams, and sure, certainly that's what he was hired to do, a lot of uh, reading leverage and throwing to space and getting the ball out of his hands into the playmakers and a lot of play action, moving, all those types of things. You've seen Joe Burrow do that at a high level this year. I mean, he's completing basically 80% of his passes. He's aced every test. Every single one of them, Texas, Florida, Mississippi State, he has is, he is not just looked good in those games. He's been the reason why LSU has won those games. And he's been sensational this year. And it's been, I mean, you can go back and look at 2018 and say, well, why wasn't he that good in 2018? Well, that's the value of coaching and system. Joe Brady coming over as the passing game coordinator for LSU has allowed us to see the real skill set of Joe Burrow and what his ceiling is and what he can actually do when given the right parameters around him to succeed. And I think about that system, it's not a lot of uh, routes. It's not a route based system. It's a concept based system where there's a lot of sight adjustments and reading leverage and altering routes on the fly. Burrow's completing 80% of his passes in that system. It is a true measure of his football intelligence. People like to point to completion percentage as a measure for accuracy. It's not an accuracy metric. It's a pre-snap read and understanding why you make certain decisions with the football and Joe Burrow's acing the test. He's got big tests the rest of the way. Obviously, Alabama coming up in a couple of weeks. You'll have, you know, if he wins that one, the SEC championship game, the playoffs, all those types of things. So we need to see him continue to be tested in those ways. But right now, based on what we know and where he's come from. That that arrow is pointing up. He's an ascending player, and I love the way he would mesh with Zach Taylor and what he wants to do with the Bengals offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, a few things you touched on there. Um, I, I've been a I've been a Dalton supporter myself, um, but you know, it's uh, and I'm I'm a married man. I've, I've been married for a few years now, but uh, it it feels like one of those relationships that was good but just lasted way longer than it should have, um, and. I think Dalton has some good years left in him. Um, I don't think he has some good years left in Cincinnati, um, mm-hmm. and it's a shame because he's kind of the perfect bridge quarterback. Uh, but he might be the perfect bridge quarterback in, in you know, in Miami or something. Uh, I just don't think it's gonna gonna work here anymore, unfortunately. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you touched on some things. I, I think uh, watching Burrow, I think he's great in the middle of the field, and I, and I do think that's where Taylor wants to go with the ball and, and with what you see with what the Bengals are doing um, and the type of, of receiver they have. Um, that's definitely, you know, a good mesh, a, a good fit there. Uh, you know, one thing, I question Burrow's arm strength, and, and the, only, the only situation where you really see it – is, uh a lot of his deep balls particularly his outside deep balls if I feel like guys are having to stop and come back to you know and, and at first watching this film it was like oh well, well they run a lot of comebacks uh, <laughs> you know they're, they're, they're throwing that back shoulder a lot uh but you know th- then there are situations where it's like okay he definitely needed to lead that guy uh and and he didn't is that a concern for for you for a guy who's you know potentially the number one overall pick?
1: Well, I mean, I think you'd like to see more arm strength from Burrow or whoever would be the number one overall pick. You're not going to get it from Tua. I'll say that. It's not like Tua has an absolute, you know, rifle on his left arm. Um, And and I think, you know, in terms of measuring it against Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's not a great arm strength guy. And I think it's probably, you know, it's it's not Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield or, Lamar Jackson in terms of throwing power, but it's probably at least Sam Darnold in terms of throwing power. And I think it's enough. I don't think there's anything he can't do. And when you think about arm strength, it's only an issue if it's an issue and it's, it's, it's at least average arm strength. And I think the football intelligence side of things will help him to uh, anticipate throws effectively and get the ball out in, in rhythm. So that way he's not required to really gear up the fastball to hit some of those patterns where you know, maybe you, you really need that arm strength, so it, it, he checks the box. He just doesn't necessarily get a plus.
0: Yeah, and, and I think he can zip it in there when he when he needs to uh, in the intermediate throws. Uh, I mean, really, that, that, that's all I'm seeing is just the, some of those uh, some of those vertical routes and you know, guys are, are coming back to. And fortunately, like like I said, I think he meshes well with the Bengals e- even when they are trying to do routes like that. Um, you know, we're looking at there's a there's a lot of uh you know competitive uh, contested catch receivers on the Spangles roster not necessarily a lot of separators so i mean that could be a good fit because uh, you know i like uh i like a.j green and Auden tate in jump ball situations um now you, you touched on Tua, uh you know he's a guy to me that uh i'm i'm, I'm a little older than a lot of guys uh, who do what i do uh who do what we do uh but uh I, I still remember uh, just a little bit, but I, I, I grew up, uh, in the, in, you know, the first first quarterback I really followed was, was Boomer Esiason. You know, those were the good years with the Bengals. Um, and then um, I was a huge, even though I shouldn't have been a 49ers fan, uh, I was a huge Steve Young fan. So, uh, you know, the idea of, of having a, a Southpaw quarterback for the Bengals is pretty exciting to me. Uh, what what are your thoughts on, on Tua and you know how how he could be a fit if he ended up being the guy uh for the Bengals in round one?
1: I, I like Tua a ton. He's my quarterback one right now and, and I I think if you know, just kind of stripping away any context, which is probably a stupid thing to do, I he's the quarterback I would choose for my team and my hypothetical offense. And you know, I think a lot of the reasons I just talked about why I'm excited about Joe Burrow, I think you get the same thing from Tua. Very accurate passer, gets the ball out quick, he makes uh makes quick fast decisions and I think maybe sometimes people want to you know cast shade at him for that but I think that just speaks to how smart he is and how quick of a processor is and how how much he understands reading defense quick pre-snap and knowing where to go with the football and getting it out of his hands my favorite thing about Tua though is how calm he is when when things break down around him and just how he just is so comfortable when there's chaos and how he makes the easy stuff look easy and a lot of times it's it's just knowing where those outlets are and being a true facilitator in the offense. And he's got great weapons at Ohio State. There's no question. Guess what? Burrow has good weapons at LSU. But besides the point, you know he knows how to get the ball into those guys' hands very effectively. I think he's got accuracy to all levels. But what I guess where I get I get a little hung up on Tua, despite him being my QB one. You know he's not the biggest guy. He doesn't have the biggest arm, and he's not that athletic. And you, you think to yourself, well, geez, I wish. I wish some of that was true for, for the number one quarterback prospect in in the class, but he, he just really kind of isn't. But um, I, I I really like his mental processing, and I really like how, how he how he masters the offense and just how calm he is when things break down around him. So that's, that's kind of the good news, right? I, I think everyone's kind of talked a lot about Miami and their tank and them being in contention for the number one pick. And obviously the Bengals season's not going very well. They're very much contenders for the number one pick. I think it's okay if you get the second pick because you're going to get Tua or you're going to get Burrow. And either one I think is a good fit specifically for Cincinnati.
0: And, uh, on, on Tua, uh, so in Cincinnati, we're a little bit sensitive right now about ankle injuries. Uh, since Mm -hmm. we've been waiting for, uh, one Adriel Jeremiah green for about three months now. Um, uh, now I know you're not a doctor. I'm assuming you're not a doctor. (laughs) Nope. Uh, (laughs) We're, uh, what what concern do you have uh, about Tua's ankle? I should say we're recording this uh, early in the week, and uh, still unknown if we are going to have a Burrow Tua matchup this weekend. Uh, what, well, what concerns do you have about that ankle injury?
1: Yeah, he's supposed to practice on Wednesday, which is, I mean, if that happens, you can you can put it in the books that he's going to play and on the ninth. Um, you know, I I think it's something to be mindful of, and like you like you you, you said, I'm not a doctor, but. From what I understand about this procedure that he's had now on both ankles is that it's supposed to really mitigate the possibility of more injuries so it's kind of been an ankle issue he's had this procedure I've kind of seen some videos and stuff about what happens with it and it looks pretty good to me it looks sturdy to me and my understanding is that it is very good for uh, not having more issues in the future and he's now had it to both ankles so I don't know how many more ankle injuries he's Going to have with this procedure again. I'm not a doctor, but um, it's not like he has a, a lot of different injuries or he re-injured the same ankle. It's it's now been repaired the same way, both feet or both legs, however you want to phrase it. And uh, I hope it's not something we have to to talk about anymore because he's a really talented player, and I want to see him play.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, definitely want to see see those guys out there, and hopefully he he gets through the season number one, but also. A uh, huge matchup, uh, not only from an NCAA standpoint, but uh, obviously from a draft standpoint as well, uh, if we can see uh, LSU and Bama. So that, that would be, uh, that'd be great. Hopefully we're getting them out there. So um, Now, uh, the, other, the other guy in the big three, uh, you would say, who's kind of been forgotten since the beginning of the season, and since Burrow has emerged uh, from, by a lot of people, uh it is uh Herbert from Oregon uh how do you feel about Herbert is is he a guy that that you think should be in contention for that number one spot and um is he a guy that you think would be a a fit in Cincinnati
1: you know what's what's interesting is the stuff that we we talked about maybe Tua and Burrow don't have in terms of physical gifts you get it all in Herbert he's big strong athletic quarterback with a rocket arm I mean just Plus, plus, plus in terms of all those physical traits where, you know, I think you make some concessions with both Burrow and Tua where you don't get with Herbert is the football intelligence side. And, you know, what's interesting about Herbert is is it feels like he's kind of come down, you know, he, he started off three years ago as this player that we were kind of drooling over in his upside and how much you know playmaking ability he has because of his physical traits you watch him last year you keep watching him this year and you just kind of realize it's the same mistakes now for i don't know 30 something starts he, he he's a guy that if his first reads available and he can uh, hit it in rhythm with no pressure he's going to look like a million bucks he's going to make some fun plays outside of structure but at the same time, he's going to invite chaos and he's going to miss reads and he's going to really become flustered once that first read's not available and he has to move on it. And sometimes he hangs on to it for too long and doesn't come off and he doesn't necessarily know to go where, know where to go with his eyes. And the comfort under chaos stuff I talked about with Tua, not a chance with Herbert. So, right, you just have a lot of give and take with, with Herbert in areas that are more critical that you don't feel concerned about with Burrow or Tua. And so, um, you know, if you want the the toolsy guy that you feel like is a, uh, is a piece of clay that you can mold go get Herbert. But you know, I, I, I like, I like the floor and the ceiling better. I think with Burrow and Tua, just based on what we know and Herbert, you know, he's almost like penalized for having the most game tape, right? Because we've seen so much of them and we know it when those problems don't diminish, then you, you, you kind of just continue to, to bask in them. And rightfully so, because he's not, you correcting issues. He's still a good quarterback. He's a first round quarterback prospect, but when you have alternatives that you don't have to deal with some of those flaws, I think you gravitate towards those other guys. And that's how I'm treating this situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that, that makes sense. I think, uh, we yeah, when you've seen a lot of a guy, you kind of know who he is. And, and especially with burrow and, uh, the big step up that we've seen from him this year, uh, with a new coordinator, um, it does really seem like we're just scratching the surface on on what he can do, um, and you know, two is a two is a pretty young guy too. He's we, we've seen uh, you know some good ball out of him for a couple years, uh, but but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, when you when you have a finished product, uh, you'd like to see it a little bit uh, a little bit more clean cut uh, than what you're getting in Herbert. Um, so I think those are the three guys that are really getting. Or have at some point at least gotten some some number one overall buzz. Um, the I'd say the pool. Uh, the other guys that get a little bit of chatter and and have a chance at being a round one, round two guy uh, will be Eason, Fromm, uh, Love, Hertz. Um, you know, are, are are those are any of those guys people that you think uh, could surprise and you know be a, you know be a guy who ends up uh in the NFL being the one of the top dogs in this class or uh anybody out, outside of those top 3 really stand out to you
1: well i think at least one or two of the guys you just mentioned will probably be probably be first round picks um they got their own share of weaknesses and issues but um you know you look at Jordan Love i mean supremely physically gifted very st- much struggles with the mental side of, ga- of the game but you know, he's got great traits. You look at Jacob Eason, he's got r- elite throwing ability, um, and he's really kind of emerging for Washington. Look at Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm doesn't have physical gifts at all that you'd like. I mean, worse than what we talked about with Burrow and Tua, much worse. But I think in terms of what a lot of old-school general managers and scouts look for in a quarterback in terms of uh, game experience and, um, and leadership and some tangible type stuff, I think – Jake Fromm's gonna really appeal to those types of people. I mean, if, if Daniel Jones is a top ten pick, then don't <laughs> tell me Jake Fromm can't be, right? I mean, I mean, honestly, yeah. you kind of you kind of think like that. And, and Jalen Hurts has really emerged for Oklahoma. Gives you big time uh, leadership components. His great physical ability. Has really improved as a passer this year. And you know we've seen we've seen lesser talents go in the first round at quarterback. I mean, think about guys like Christian Ponder and. Uh, and and Blaine Gabbert and the EJ Manuel's of the world, so right the NFL mm-hmm. will take those guys and there's there's a lot of quarterback needy teams, some thirsty teams out there, and so you know there's a strong case that we could see four, five, six first round quarterbacks, certainly four, five, six in the top fifty, um, and they're all going to get chances. And and you know we always kind of point to guys like Andy Dalton as that you know that high second round pick that can be a starter for you and the Kirk Cousins type player, so it's, it's going to be there. These guys are all going to get drafted and they're going to get realistic shots at at being someone's starter, even if it's a drew lock type situation. Um, so you've identified a lot of the names that I think teams will look to as starters and kind of sorting out the rest of the way here is the valuation and how high they should go and who fits where, but but that's the cast of characters we're going to talk about from, you know, for the next several months as the, as the premier guys in this class. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting group. And I, I think, uh, You know, guys like Eason and Fromm uh, in particular, those are guys that, like, you can definitely win a lot of games with them. uh, But I just, they're just not doing anything crazy on film that makes me think, well, that's a a guy I'm taking in the top five and the top 10. Um, But I I mean, I definitely, uh, in particular, Eason, um, you know, I I think Eason's a guy that's going to go in the first round. I can definitely see uh, Love going first round. Uh, You know, watching Love. It remind it, it feels a little bit like high school film. Uh, and and I mean that in a positive way. It's just like he just looks like he's better than everybody else. And he doesn't you know, nothing's really refined, but he's just like, I don't know. Well, I'm better than you guys, so I like, I'm gonna do whatever <laughs> I want here. Yeah. Um and, and, and you know, and Hertz as well. Uh, I think Hertz is um and, and the Bengals fans listening will get this, but you know, I, I like it drives me crazy. Uh, you know, the, a couple weeks ago, we saw the Bengals throw a toss play on third and one, and it, like sometimes it's like they were they refuse to run a quarterback sneak in really really obvious situations where they're going to get the first down. Uh, and you know, if the Bengals drafted Hurts and then had a guy who's who's that physical of a runner and then still refused to run quarterback sneaks, yeah. I mean that would just be perfect. That would <laughs> that would just figure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean there's, there's a lot of talent out there, definitely some interesting guys. So. Um, now, we, we touched on it uh, a few times here, but, um, you know, Miami uh, really appears to be in full tank mode. Uh, I don't even know if it's intentional with the Bengals, but they just can't prevent, you know, they just can't win a game. Um, and I don't even, you know, I, I don't know because th- there's some bad teams. Uh, and I think the, you know, the Dolphins are going to have to lose to the Bengals and to the Jets twice. Uh, you know, the Bengals are – That AFC North isn't very good. Uh, you know, the Steelers and the Browns are squeaking some things out, but those aren't really good football teams. Um, so the idea of tanking, uh, you know, it's kind of it's funny because if you're trying – only one team can win the Super Bowl, but if you try and win the Super Bowl and you come up short, you still have a really good football team at the end and, and you can give it another try. Uh, if you try to tank and you don't get the guy you want at quarterback yeah. because you yeah. won – one one or two games in the season, um, you know, it, it, it ain't pretty. Uh, what you're coming away with and where you're at. So uh, on on your show, Draft Dudes, uh, you do a takes on takes segment. Uh, so I'm, what I'm asking for here is your your take on tanks. Uh, you know, who do you think comes out winning on this? And you know, what's your what's your thought process on tanking in general? And, uh, you know, the long term effects of it.
1: I guess uh, you kind of look at the teams that maybe have done that. I mean, certainly we can say Miami has, and we always have to be mindful that there's, a, there's, there's two things happening. You have coaches and players that are trying to win football games. They're competing their asses off trying to win games. You have a front office that is not giving them the resources to do that. right? So nobody should be watching Miami Dolphins football games right now and think that team isn't trying to win. They are. It's the, it's the lack of talent, quite honestly, that plays into it in Miami specifically, in order for them to have all these millions of draft picks, they've created holes. They're going to go out and look to get an offensive tackle just like Laramie Tunsil and a defensive back just like Minka Fitzpatrick. And, you know, the real, the real value is when they start getting plus value. They got multiple first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil. There's a net gain there, and they're really counting on themselves to be able to hit on draft picks. And, and if they don't, which they're pretty much a 50-50 proposition – particularly first round, less and less as you go down the, the order, they're going to be in trouble. And it, it's a big gamble on you and your scouting department and all those types of things. They're going to have a big challenge ahead of them to get enough meaningful veterans in the mix to not just have a bunch of 22, 23, 24-year-olds that have very minimal experience under their belts to try to to win. So, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done there. And, and some of it self-created by the players they've traded away and the holes that they have created in in the process. But, you know, I I think it's also tough to kind of look at a team that just perpetually tries to put on band-aids and um, get by. And, you know, if we get this player, maybe we can get 10 or 11 wins and get to the wild card round and maybe win a game. Like, like you, if that, that's, it's hard. Like I understand contentness with that, but the goal is to win the Super Bowl. And what do you have to do? What steps can you take to give yourself the best chance to do that and compete for that every single year? And um, I guess I have this part of me that really respects teams that recognize this course that we're on is going to find us in this 7, 8, 9, 10 win range every year. Maybe we can back to one of the playoffs and lose a game. And, and so I respect it from that perspective. It's difficult on the fans because, I mean, quite honestly, you only get so many years of your life to watch football and enjoy it. And be a fan of your team and and you, you it's hard to sacrifice some of those years to just kind of weather and get by and watch your team not be able to compete so there's so many variables in play there's so much context that matters I guess at the end of the day I, I respect teams doing what they feel is the right thing to do to try to build a, a a winner and um we'll see if this works we've not seen anything this drastic in terms of what miami is doing you know even Cincinnati Cincinnati's not just you know, trading away all their reasonably good players for draft picks. So, um, it's, it will be interesting to see what happens. It's, it's going to come down to who can hit on the quarterback. They're not all going to be good, right? That's one thing <laughs> we know is I think quarterback hit rates in the four in the first round is probably 40% on a reasonable starter and even, even less for uh, like a, an upper echelon guy. So uh, there's some luck involved uh, as well. And, and, you know, I don't want to see t- teams stay bad forever. That's not good for any, for anyone. And, um, it's fascinating I'll say that from a from an outside looking in at a lot of these situations across the league it's pretty fascinating to uh, to observe so I don't know I don't know if I gave you a tank a take a <laughs> take on tanks other than they're interesting and um, there's a lot of variables in play and we'll see
0: <laughs> yeah you know I think uh, it's interesting too because it's not it's not basketball um, and one player at quarterback absolutely does make a big difference um, but I think basketball is a it's a lot clearer what that yeah. transition is from the co- from the uh, college game and you know when you're getting that number one guy overall in basketball you you know what you're getting um, you know and that's that's going to be a game changer um, you know looking back clear cut number one overall uh, quarterbacks I you know you'd say Andrew Luck um, I mean before that are we going all the way back to Carson Palmer? Uh, you know, I mean, maybe you could definitely make an argument for for Cam Newton, um, but back then Cam Newton was a bit of a wild card because uh, the NFL wasn't wasn't really ready for a quarterback uh, with his type of gifts. Um, so yeah, like that's that's the thing. You know, you gotta you gotta hit on these picks, and you know the Dolphins could get a bunch. Uh, you gotta hit on them. It it does bug me to see teams like the Dolphins. Like, why are you giving away? young players who can absolutely be part of what you're building um but as we said there's a lot of bad teams in the nfl and it's in it's a weird league uh and if they accidentally win a game they've you know got the they've got the tools to to uh their, uh excuse me the equity actually to move up uh particular if you know if, if the falcons end up with the number one overall all pick and uh you know they can they can trade up they can get that pick and the falcons are you know picking up some picks and probably still getting Chase Young or whoever mm-hmm. else they want uh assuming they're not going quarterback so it, you know I, I i see it but i kind of hate it too cuz i i also think that i don't know how you lose this many games and even if the even though the coaches aren't doing it it's still a losing culture uh so i don't know how an 0-16 Bengals team or an 0-16 Dolphins team is going into the next year with Zach Taylor or Brian Flores and, and, and think they're, they're going to win games. Because that type of cultural change, I don't know if a quarterback alone can do that. Uh, you know I, I think maybe you need a new voice at the top.
1: It's it's interesting to say that. I mean, I, I've I've long subscribed to the idea that you don't get better by losing, right? I mean, that's that's certainly one angle to put on it. Um, and you you made a good point there about there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL. I mean, between the Bengals, Dolphins, Redskins, Atlanta, and the Jets, we've got five teams with zero or one win. And Miami and Cincinnati play each other, right? And Miami and the Jets will play each other. So you know you're gonna have you're gonna have a, a team. Pro- I mean, honestly, a team with two or three wins maybe that's picking five and that's not normal, <laughs> right? Like no. t- if you have three wins, you're picking in the top three and, and you know, it's, you have teams that I just mentioned there that aren't in the market for quarterbacks. And that certainly sh- makes things interesting when it comes to, well, what happens if it, it, like you mentioned there, if Atlanta has the number two pick overall or the number one pick overall, I mean, they have a good quarterback in Matt Ryan. Are they going to sit there and pick chase young? Or are they going to, force Miami to, to cough up a little something to move up. And and so it's, it's fascinating. It'll all sort itself out here over the next, uh, you know, I guess what, eight, nine weeks, but um, uh, there's going to be some teams that are going to be perpetually at the top here. If they, if they don't hit on these, these draft picks, which is a, it's a gamble.
0: Yeah, d- it definitely is. Uh, but you know, that's what, that's what makes the NFL worth paying attention to 12 months out of the year, I guess, you know, all, all this stuff moving forward and, Um, you know, it is the Bengals, uh, I'm, I'm, I kind of subscribe to the theory that I'm, I'm all Bengals. I'm all NFL. Uh, you know, I watch college football for fun, but I'm, you know, I'm just watching NFL tape, uh, with basically every free moment that I have, uh, in, in season. And I usually wait until bowl season. And then I, I, I dive into, uh, to, to prospect film, um, is kind of the way I work. I like just... Eating every bit of tape that I can on somebody all in all in one sitting, uh, not kind of coming back to it. But this year has forced me. It's like, well, I got to start looking at quarterbacks now because yeah. uh, you know <laughs> that's that, that's the future. So um, now uh, I mentioned uh, you know a couple places that people can find your work. Uh, draft Network uh, doing some awesome things over there. Of course, the uh, uh, the Draft Simulator uh, will be. Already very popular, but will be very popular again. Uh, you know, as the draft order shakes out um, on the draft network, uh, you recently came out with some some great uh, T-shirts. Um, uh, Tank Tank for Tua and uh, Broadway Broadway Joe. Uh, wish it was uh, wish they came in orange and black, but uh, <laughs> definitely some cool stuff there. Uh, is there anything else uh, you'd like to plug?
1: No, I, I appreciate you having me on. It was a good discussion. Um, yeah, I work for the Draft Network and host a daily NFL draft podcast called Draft Dudes. So if you're looking for uh, some draft discussion all year long, we we certainly feel that need over on Draft Dudes.
0: All right. Well, thank you once again for being with me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're just getting started here. It's definitely going to be a very interesting draft season uh, with, with a number of, like you said, bad teams. Um, in a, in a weird way, we're going to have some very meaningful games uh, in December. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bengals have the Dol- the Dolphins uh, near the end of the season, and what could be the the a Bowl uh, if that's where they're both leaning. And uh, you know, with with all these bad teams in the same division too. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how things shake out. So once again, thanks for joining me. If you are listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure you check out the YouTube video. Crazy week, uh, sad week, but also exciting week. And, uh, you know, it's time to start looking forward. The Bengals have made that decision. Um, and we definitely need to start looking forward and hoping to build something great. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, we're coming forward, with ours. Yeah we coming for what's ours Yeah we coming for